This is a podcast where you don't have to be perfect. You can be happy. Make your day count. Encouraging, uplifting, full of joy. You're worth more than you think. This is entirely unconventional, and I'm Lindsay Roberts. I pray for something miraculous to happen to you today. Hi, everybody. I'm Lindsay Roberts, and I welcome you to this podcast, Entirely Unconventional. And today I want to do something that I consider a little unconventional because I want to take you back to something that happened a while ago while I was in California preaching at Celebration Church. Now, Celebration Church is a wonderful church by a family by the name of Hand, the Nick Hand family, the Randy Hand, Cherie Hand family, and we've known them for many, many years. Well, while I was out there preaching in their church, Nick Hand got me to do an interview and it was very, yes, you guessed it, unconventional. And it was on the subject of loss. There was lots of different things we talked about, but the main thing we talked about was how do you recover from loss? Do you get up? Do you stay down? Do you do something in between? How do you activate your faith in the middle of loss? Well, that was a tough question because of the different things I've had experiences with in my life. And as a result of it, some of the things were just really difficult. And also in the middle of it all, I had a wonderful support team to believe with me, pray with me, and walk me through different things concerning loss in my life. So I want to take you back to that very unusual podcast. And then when we're done, I want to pray for you. So stay tuned. We're going to go to the podcast in California with this entirely unconventional interview with Nick Hand. And like I said, when it's over with, let's pray. You, your journey just to having your first baby girl was quite quite, Horrible. quite a, a journey. Mm-hmm. You weren't supposed to be able to have kids at all? The most bizarre thing was I would be praying for people <sighs> and they would get pregnant and have babies. Really? I would be praying for people in the middle of miscarriages and they would stop and they would carry the baby full term. Really? Meanwhile, I'm in the hospital having miscarriages. Wow. And wow. I had to own that. And what it was What was that hard. like though? Well, if it's if I can say it respectfully, yeah. hell say, on earth. Yeah, I it was yeah. pure hell. Yeah. And I didn't know how to get over it. And the worst thing that ever happened to me was going in one of the grocery stores, and I always knew how to perfectly circumvent the baby aisle. I knew exactly how to strategically avoid the diapers, and I knew exactly how to avoid the baby food. Because to go buy it would... Torment me. Uh. So they moved the food, and they moved the diapers, and one day I was walking in, I think it was in Albertsons, and I went in, and I took the wrong turn, and I landed at the baby food aisle with the diapers, and I sat on the floor. And I cried with everybody staring at me till I could not cry anymore. I couldn't get up. Carts were going all around me, and I didn't care. Wow. And the Lord spoke in my heart, and he said, go give baby showers. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Hmm. Go give baby showers? I can't have a baby shower. When you're sitting right there like this? I'm sitting on the floor of Albertsons crying. Wow. And he said, and you give the biggest gift. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But in order to get out of my mess... I had to give out of my mess. Mm. In order to get out of my mess, I had to give out of my mess. Mm. So I began to find everybody I knew that was pregnant. Do you want a baby shower? Can I give you a baby shower? Mm. I'd be buying them strollers, and I'd be buying them diapers, and I'd be buying them. And in the middle of it all, I'd go upstairs, go into my bedroom, shut the door, go into the bathroom, shut the door, and cry my guts out. It was hard. It wasn't easy. It was tormenting. And I made a decision. 
I'm going to do what I'm told to do. And if God's God, he's going to honor this. Lo and behold, he did. And I have three daughters later. But I had to did make a decision. Did you ever give up? Did God. you ever feel like it's just not? I gave up so many times that continuing was in another planet. Huh. And I went to, to Africa. I went to Nigeria. It was the highest infant mortality rate in the entire world. Mm. I sat under a man named Benson Itahosa. Mm -hmm. I told him I will never get pregnant again and don't torment me. My doctor said, why are you torturing yourself? Just give up. Really? Your doctor mm -hmm. told you that? Yep. And when I went in one of the services with Benson Itahosa, he prayed for me. Hmm. I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you what he said. I can't tell you when he said it. I can't tell you what I felt. All I know is something inside me left yeah. and hope came in. Wow. And I went back home, and about a year later, I had Jordan. And yet you, there have probably been lots of people that prayed for you up to that point. There were. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know if it was just my mindset. I don't know if I was ready to receive. I don't know if it was just God's timing. I don't have answers. Well, that's what All I'm I saying. Know it's, is it's God. Yeah. That was my moment. It's easy. I guess what I'm saying is it's easy for people to get discouraged in the process because yeah. how many how many prophetic words can I get and how many times can the pastor call me forward to pray for my infertility and how many times can I ask for someone to you know go see a yeah. doctor like at some some point there the, is this the yeah. saddest greatest. The most horrible, wonderful thing happened to me is we were married in January of 1980. By July of 1980, Ken Copeland, never mm -hmm. heard of him before in my mm -hmm. life, certainly adore him now, but I was at a Kenneth Hagin meeting. Ken Copeland calls us up. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he was going to say. I was scared to pieces because I thought, I, I mean, I literally didn't know what he was going to do. When was this in the journey? It was, I was married seven months. Okay, married seven months. So this is before any of the miscarriages? Before or? anything. Okay. And I, but I'd already be, been told at 18. That you wouldn't be able yes. to have children. So by then I was 24. And he said prophetically, he started saying a bunch of things. I'm like, he can't know that. Who is this guy? He doesn't know that. How does he know that? And then he said, and you will have children sooner than you think. He said, you'll birth children. You'll have children sooner than you think. So here, I'm thinking, wow, next week I'll be pregnant. <laughs> yeah. No, no. That was 1980. Hmm. My first baby that lived was my fourth pregnancy in 1985. Wow. So from 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, I had surgeries, a dead baby, miscarriages. And yet I, I, my first thought was, why did he say it? And my second thought was, thank God he said it because I held on to it. Mm. That seed of that word of God, that prophetic seed got in me. And no matter what, everything else was happening around me, that prophetic word was in me. And I kept saying, I don't care. But Kenneth Copeland said, in the name of Jesus, though this is happening, Kenneth Copeland said, Hmm. Though I feel like this, Kenneth Copeland said. Though my body is doing this, Kenneth Copeland said. Because I had a word from God through a prophet. Hmm. And I held on to it. It took a while. Five years is pretty hard. But April 23rd, 1985, my life changed. At, in, risking, in risking maybe sounding insensitive, what, could you tell me the best of you can, what is the emotion that you feel or what is the thing that you feel when you are pregnant, and then miscarry. I felt like I was a dead person, mm. totally dead, but still living and had to feel the pain. Wow. I felt like every fiber, 
of my life was dead, but my body didn't get the message and I was still alive feeling it. So it was like if I was going to die, I wish my body had died, but then I didn't want to die. Every fiber of my soul was dead, but I was still alive. So I had to feel death and still be alive. I was like, not to make a joke, a zombie, the walking dead. And you felt like a zombie, the walking dead. So as that happens multiple times, Mm -hmm. every time that you're getting pregnant, are you dreading... Like, are you afraid that you might lose the baby? Are no, you like... I had hope every time because I had that word from God. So... And that's when I started doing the baby showers. It was so weird because doing the hardest thing was also doing the most freeing thing. Would it, would it feel like a thousand deaths, though, every time that you would... Uh-huh. Because mine was in the newspaper. Yeah. Mine was all over Christianity. Mine was when Richard Oral died, a name like Richard and Oral. Yeah. That went in the newspaper, and I never had a name. That baby never had a mother. They attacked Oral. They attacked Richard. I'm the mother, and my name was never mentioned. When your son when your son died. I had a woman come up to me at his memorial service and say, I prayed for that baby to die, and God answered wow. my prayers. Hello, I'm headed to the graveyard. Are you so, serious? Yeah, I'm serious. God spoke Gosh. to me and said, go hug her neck. I mean, I'm not, be- I'm, I mean, I am emotional. Yeah. I am hormonal. Yeah. I am at my son's memorial well, and service so. and I am not in the mood. So when she said At it, the memorial service. Yeah. And God said, go hug her neck and then ask her what's wrong with her because nobody in their right mind would say that to you. I said, okay. And so I went down and I, and, and I said to her, I want to talk to you. And she was horrible. Hmm. And I said, I just want to ask you a question. What are you hurting over so bad that you'd say that to me? She burst into tears. When we were in the hospital and Richard Oral died in our arms, a nurse came in and she was something else. And I'm packing up to go home empty-handed. And it was about one o'clock in the morning. And she said to me, what do you think about your Jesus now? I said, You know, I'm thinking she'll say, can I help you pack? Mm -hmm. I said, tell me that again. She said, what do you think about your Jesus now? I said, I think he's my only hope. Mm. And she said, I was was hoping you'd say that. I said, why? And she said, will you pray for me? Sitting on my bed, getting ready to check out of the hospital, the maternity ward with no baby. I prayed for her. And she will be in heaven when I get there. Or maybe after me. But I got to pray for her. Life is weird. Yeah. See, let's go back to your tattoos. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. If we would if we would stop hurting people mm-hmm. over things that God probably rolls his eyes at mm-hmm. and minister to people, I think the whole world would change. Yeah. And we have to show people the love of God. I don't care if you have tattoos. I think you know me well enough to know I really don't care. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> And if that floats somebody's boat, do it. Don't do it. That's not what I'm responsible for. Yeah. But if you're not going to heaven, we're going to have a talk. Mm. That's what I'm responsible for. And I feel that. Oral used to feel that. I would say he was the most intense person on the planet. He would literally, we would get no sleep. He'd say, get back here in the morning. It was already like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And he would say, we have a project. And I would say to him, what are you doing? And he'd say, it's life or death. Mm. 
And I'm like, what? Can I get some sleep? No, it's life or death. And I said, what do you mean? He said, someone's life may be at stake if we don't do this. That was his whole thought for his, his whole drive. life. That was his drive. That he was dying of tuberculosis at 17. And if George Muncy hadn't prayed for him, he would have died. And he carried that with him his whole life. Mm. And 91, when he went home to be with the Lord, that was still his driving force. Can I just get one more person saved? And it wore off. It, rub off. it rubbed off on us. Yeah. How can you be under Oral Roberts and some of it not rub off on yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did. I would imagine those moments, though. I mean, because it's one thing to talk about, you know, people being hateful, but then mm-hmm. to hear the stories and yeah. you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. you know, things that you would say should never be uttered to another human being right. ever, you mm-hmm. know, and having to to come face to face with that and at the same time still move forward. Oral told me a story that I, honest to God, didn't understand. I love the Bible. I read the Bible. I studied the Bible, but I didn't, I don't know, I guess in some way it went over my head. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you will not suffer with me, Jesus said, you'll not reign with me. I thought, that's not nice. <laughs> and then he said, you'll know me in the fellowship mm. of my suffering. When you're tiptoeing through the tulips, it's easy to miss important things. Mm. But when you are suffering, it's amazing how you can learn to care about other suffering people. I might never have had compassion for a mother who had lost a child. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I don't ever want to go through it again. But there was something different about me when I prayed for people who had lost children. Hmm. You will know me, Jesus said, in the fellowship, the oneness, the camaraderie, the understanding of suffering. Hmm. Jesus suffered on that cross. And life is full of strange things. But if Jesus can do it, for the gospel's sake, Mm -hmm. so can I. Do I like it? No. Do I want it to happen to my kids? No. Yeah. Is it a part of reality? Yeah. And if you're called to do something, I might not get to heaven pretty. Yeah. But as long as I get there and take people with me that were my responsibility on this earth, I may have had a few bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm still going there and I'm taking people with me. Did that make it? Does that make it hard for you to? Like when you go through like situations like that in public, mm-hmm. does it make it hard for you to want to be out in public? Like, do you feel like you kind There's of There's a are... part of me that does recluse a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I have to regroup and say, who will I miss mm. if I don't get up and do it again? Mm. Oral said to me one time after I had had so many miscarriages and all the junk that went with it. He said to me, I, I actually went to him and said, I quit. I'm done. I quit the ministry. I quit having babies. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. I quit. I literally, I quit. And he said, okay, which surprised me. I thought he'd kind of like fight me more yeah. on it. And he said, or I thought he'd be a little compassionate and say, <laughs> well, honey, let's, and, yeah. and he said, okay. And he said, but I'm only going to ask you one question. He said, if you quit, what's on the other side of expecting a miracle that you will never know mm. if you give up? 
I told him that was fighting dirty. And I said, okay, let me think about it. Well, what's on the other side? Jordan, Olivia, and Chloe. What's on the other side if I go home and think about me? And sometimes I do that. And sometimes I say, hell will freeze over Mm -hmm. before I darken the door of a church, a mall, a Target, or anything else. And then I come to my spirit self and tell my down flesh self, God, what do you want? When the eagles have their youth renewed, they pound off their old feathers. Hmm. And when they pound off their old feathers, what's underneath is like baby skin, like Mm. brand new. You become brand new. When I turn my humanness over to his godliness, he can make all things new. Well, that podcast was, yes, entirely unconventional. And to be honest with you, a little bit difficult at times to talk about things in my past, to talk about pain, to talk about hurt, to talk about joy, to talk about miracles, to talk about recovery. But one of the most important things I want to do regarding my life and some of the things that happened to me as you listen to that podcast, I want to take the time to pray for you. So right now, In the name of Jesus, I pray for you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. If you have experienced loss, if you are experiencing loss, if you just don't know what you're experiencing, I just pray for you. The same Jesus that brought Lindsay Roberts, me, back from a lot of pain and a lot of anguish and a lot of different feelings and emotions, the same Jesus that not only healed my emotions, but healed my physical body, the same Jesus that as the Bible says, was raised from the dead so that we could have life and life more abundantly. I pray in the name of Jesus for you to be healed and whole and delivered and really set free in every area of your life. I pray no matter what it is you're going through for Father God to minister healing to you today in every area in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. I want to thank you for listening to Entirely Unconventional. I really mean that. I thank you for listening to Entirely Unconventional. And I want you to always remember something I think very strongly. You're worth more than you think. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. To connect with Lindsay on social media, follow her on Instagram at lindsayrobertsofficial. To get a copy of Lindsay's brand new book, Discover Your True Worth, simply search Discover Your True Worth on Amazon.com. We'll see you next week.